0: This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. It'll probably be a game-time decision. I would say Colton's a better guest to play than uh, than McDonough, but I don't want to speculate right now. You know, Bogo looks like he should be ready to go today, but, you know, when you got your whole group healthy, now you're looking at this uh, stability thing and everybody getting their chemistry and working together, you just really haven't had that all year.
1: You haven't, and we've kind of hinted at that. That might be the greatest challenge for the Lightning at this point in the season, just having a cohesive unit at some point for an extended period of time. You heard John Cooper coming in, who may play, who may not. We'll talk about that for the next hour as the Lightning gets set to take on the Buffalo Sabres tonight on the road, 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock, the puck drops. I am Greg Lanelli, along with Dave Michigan, We'll have the call tonight with the Hall of Famer, Phil Esposito. Steve Hurstic is our producer. Mike Harrington from the Buffalo News will join us coming up in about 30 minutes. And we'll get his thoughts on the Sabres team. They are dealing, Dave, with their own COVID protocols and some injuries as well. And we touched on that a bit yesterday. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting when you take a look at at Buffalo the last few years, Dave. They've been in the news for a couple of different reasons, at least early on. Most recently, it's been Jack Eichel and what they were going to do with him but it felt like in like november and december when the lightning would take on buffalo the last few years buffalo had gotten off to a pretty decent start and the question always was is this time now for buffalo to take that next step and inevitably or invariably they would fizzle out so we'll we'll talk to mike kind of see where buffalo is now at this point it's a young team that you know i think is in that rebuilding mode that wants to be competitive but you know it's tough to do that when you have a lot of younger guys who are trying to Find themselves in the NHL still.
0: So, as we speak this morning, or I guess we're into the afternoon now, the Sabres only have two players currently on the COVID list Tage Thompson, who went on yesterday, and Peyton Krebs, who they got from Vegas in the Eichel deal. But many of the players that had been on the COVID list are not playing tonight. So, it's interesting, like trying to think of an example where the Lightning had a guy come off the COVID list and, and they put that player right in the game. Like Sorelli and Vasilevsky, that maybe is an example, where, to the best of our knowledge, their first time on the ice was an actual game. The Sabres play their next game on Thursday in Nashville, and Don Granato is is giving these guys that were on the list at least one, if not two to three practices before they get into a game. So these guys that have come off the list, among them Alex Tuck, who we talked about yesterday, like he's healthy, but he was on the COVID list. So the lane are not seeing him tonight. So as a result, the Sabres are still a little bit shorthanded. They also have a lot of injuries, which you alluded to, on top of their COVID issues, which are now resolving, but many of the players that were affected are not in the lineup tonight so as a result there's a lot of excitement going into this game for the sabers because their 2020 first overall pick jack quinn is going to be making his nhl debut they are really high on this guy in addition and this isn't recent but he has been up after first an injury to craig anderson and then dustin tokarski got covid And he is one of the rare cases, I'll use that word, Greg, of a player who got COVID more recently, like this season, let's say. You're talking about Tukarski? Tukarski. Yeah. And he is not right yet. Like, he's out of protocol, but he he went on the COVID list, like, the early part of December. Mm -hmm. And he didn't skate until after Christmas. He's still not ready to play. So... I mean, he's no longer testing positive, but it sounds like whatever symptoms he had like knocked him down quite a bit. So yeah. hopefully he's going to be able to return sooner rather than later for his sake, for the Sabre's sake. But where I'm going with this is you have Quinn, a, a, a top 10 pick. He was eighth overall. And you have this young goalie, Uko Pekka-Lukkanen, Lukinen, is a second round pick. And I'm curious when we have Mike Harrington on, asking him about Lukanen like is he their goalie moving forward maybe not today but he's playing right now because they have other issues with their more veteran goalies injuries COVID issues illness whatever and so like when you say the Sabres are a young team and we saw them in the last few years I remember in Sweden they were ahead of the lightning and the standings when the teams met and the year before which was the year the lightning won 62 regular season games They met in late October, I think this was the year, wasn't it, where the Sabres actually were a point ahead of the Lightning? Mm -hmm. And the Lightning won that game and then just like, were like a rocket ship taking off, and the Sabres sunk to the bottom of the ocean, basically. And by the time they met again, whenever it was later in the year, there was like a 30-point gap between the teams. So you're right that that seems to have been the trend for the Sabres, and they're always like, this is the year. This is the year. We've got all these good young players. I think they feel that some of the young players that they have drafted recently are going to be part of the solution here. I haven't even mentioned Dylan Cousins who's been up this year and and played quite a bit with them last year. He's a former first-round pick as well, a little bit um earlier than Quinn, in fact, one year earlier, but he yeah, he's was also a 7th overall pick. Yeah. So, like, maybe this is the time final. Like, if you get enough top 10 picks, we've talked about this, you don't want to miss on those. But if you keep getting them over and over and over again, well, you would figure eventually you're going to find some players who are really going to help your team. They are super high on Quinn, though. I'm sure Mike will talk about that. So he's making his NHL debut tonight against the Lightning, and and we'll see what this guy has got. He's had a very good year in the AHL this year. And that comes with him having had mono. He missed a month with mono. So he recently came back and had a really good weekend, I guess, with with Rochester. And they, they have a need at the forward position because a lot of their forwards have been out with COVID or injuries. And so he's coming up. And Brett Murray is another younger player that they called up because they're short. So Murray is going to be the 12th forward. But Quinn, I guess you would say, is the 11th forward. But he's going to play in a top six situation with cousins they were teammates on on a world junior championship last year so they know each other pretty well
1: you know it's got to be tough for any organization particularly one like buffalo who has some draft picks theoretically down in the ahl dave and then you take a look at what this year's been like for the minor leagues i mean there are some teams who have played four or five games over the last six weeks i mean the schedule has been brutal down in the american hockey league with games being canceled and so it might be one of those years too you don't want to say it's a lost year for some of the younger players but as an organization when you're trying to evaluate these players and they're not playing as many games because of COVID protocols or games being postponed you wonder how much more pressure that puts on an organization like a buffalo who wants their younger players to play play as much as possible mm-hmm. but once that is interrupted and they're not getting the game reps I wonder how much that sets them back in their development or at least in their evaluation process because well are you seeing saying
0: like- game reps at the NHL level or the AHL because like it's AHL clear level. yeah Quinn Quinn even said at the start of the year I read a story on him he said I want to go to the AHL he was there last year he's like I want to be able to dominate at the AHL level before I come up yeah because they've talked about his maturity, which is very mature for a guy who's twenty years old
1: and that's impressive. I mean, you want to go down there yeah. and play i just i'm curious you know there are there are a lot of after effects because of covid the last couple of years in life and you know specifically as we're talking about this with sports and I'm curious one of them the development of younger players and just the constant shutting down of things, the, maybe the lack of games. You know, certainly we saw that with um, the minor leagues in baseball. You know, where they have these camps as opposed to playing uh, games because of you know certain leagues that were shut down. I, I'm just I'm wondering, you know, what are the after effects of that? I mean, it's we're not going to know that answer, but I, w- I would think for a team in particular like Buffalo, who's going to be relying on high draft picks here, developing this young talent, not only at the NHL level but certainly at the AHL level is vital to their growth as an organization and so it might be one of those questions i asked mike about you know when he comes mm-hmm. on here in about 10 minutes 15 minutes you know what is what is that like because it, it's great to have high draft picks dave but if they're not developing yeah maybe because of a lack of opportunity then you know as an organization you, you have to make some tough calls
0: well I, see i think the opposite which is why i asked you to, for you to clarify basically what you were talking about as far as reps because I think the Sabres are an example and there are other teams that you can look at similarly that have gotten high draft picks and immediately put those players in the NHL and not necessarily to their benefit mm-hmm. that they haven't allowed them seasoning at the minor league level in part because the team has not been very good they they picked, This player is a high-profile pick and player, and they need to start turning the ship around. I am sympathetic. I understand why teams do it, but it's not always in the best interest of the player. It depends on the player. But you can look back over the last few years with the Sabres and a lot of their high picks, whether it's Eichel or Reinhardt or Dahlien, or even going back to Ristolainen, who was not a top 10, but he was a first-run pick. All these guys came right to the NHL. Yeah. Unless I'm mistaken. I mean, I can go back and look. Dahlin, for sure. He
1: like He went straight to pick, the NHL. Right?
0: Eichel went straight to the NHL. Reinhardt went straight to the NHL. And who knows whether that was beneficial for them at the time. Hard to argue with Eichel. I mean, he's been a, he's been a pretty productive player. And he seemed to make that adjustment fairly seamlessly, but he wasn't able to help pull the team along with him, I guess. Whereas now, at least, you know, you look at this Quinn, and Quinn now has spent all of last year as a 19-year-old, but, you know, he was in Rochester because in the OHL, he was going to have a limited opportunity to play, I guess. So he went and took the opportunity to play in the AHL. And this year, you know, they could have started with him on the NHL roster, but but apparently he he agreed with their decision to send him down. So maybe this is the way the Sabres are going look to at, look at developing their players. And the same thing with this Lukonen, who's a second-round pick, young goalie. I mean, we'll see how high they are on him, but, I mean, they could have put him in the NHL. Did they have to start with Craig Anderson, who hardly played last year? So clearly, they made a decision that some of these younger players, not all of them, but some of these younger players are going to start in the AHL.
1: And, you know, probably just get some closing thoughts when it comes to the Jack Eichel trade, too, because, you know, we speculated on this the other day, Dave, that if the surgery turns out as good as it was initially reported, and Jack Eichel gets back to being Jack Eichel before the injury. Vegas has themselves one hell of a player in the prime of their career. And I think you'd probably make that trade 10 out of 10 times, understanding that Eichel is is fully healthy. Now, it may take a few hockey hits to see if that neck holds up, so to speak, physically. But I'm curious was was the main reason for the divorce between buffalo and eichel mostly on the disagreement with what to do when it came to his surgery because i find it hard to believe you would end up trading a player of that caliber at that age understanding he had a pretty big price tag but that comes with the territory with elite players were the issues beyond disagreements on what to do with his neck surgery wise because it would take a lot for me Dave to give up a high draft pick who is a proven NHL player who I don't know what your views were on Jack Eichel Dave there are some who'd say when healthy this is a top 10 talent in the league. Uh, I don't know if he's exactly a superstar, maybe he's knocking on the door. Whatever whatever it is, he's been a very productive NHL player when he's been healthy. Yes, he and has I, been. And I this ha- this comes with the territory. So I I don't I don't sympathize with a player like Eichel or somebody in his shoes that You know, you're expected when you're drafted that high and you come with the fanfare that you're going to turn around that franchise. I mean, I think the franchise needs to surround you with some pretty good talent. And I think Buffalo has tried to do that at times. They've swung and missed on some of those opportunities. But be that as it may, it would take a lot for me to get rid of Eichel outside of maybe a few differences maybe he and the team had when it came to building a roster. So, understanding there were probably a lot of factors that went into it, was the main factor just disagreeing on what they wanted to do with the surgery? And looking back, you know, and and Mike may feel differently. When you have a talent like that, do you just do everything you can to smooth things over, knowing that you get rid of a player like that, understanding you got some guys back? I was always told, and I, I I firmly believe this, that the player you get, the best player in the trade, is typically the team who wins the trade. Exceptions to every rule, understanding. Mm-hmm. But somebody that young, I, I think maybe that's where I... I have a hard time looking at that trade from Buffalo's perspective and saying they won. Maybe it was just something they felt like it had to do. But I, I'm curious if it was mainly surgery-related or if, if it if it ran deeper than that.
0: Well, it sounded like that's what it was. But Mike would probably shed some light on it. Right. And and I think that there was frustration prior to the injury about the fact that the Sabres were not winning more. Winning solves a lot.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: Now, some teams win and they can't sustain it. I mean, you really have to have the building blocks in place as the Lightning have shown. They've really been the template, haven't they, for how you build this thing up? Yeah. And, and, and keep yourself in the upper echelon of the league. Other teams may elevate and then they dip a little bit and then they try and get back up. Hard to maintain it. But if you can win more than you lose, you can avoid a lot of the problems that, that will come from perpetual losing. When you have an elite talent that is expected to to pull you up, we were talking about this with Taylor Hall yesterday. Yeah. I mean, Taylor Hall, his situation in Edmonton wasn't identical to Eichel's in Buffalo because Hall didn't have this this dispute over treatment of an injury, but a lot was put on Hall's shoulders as a number one overall pick. They had a handful of them. He wasn't the only one, but I I always felt that he was regarded as the guy that was going to get the Oilers to where they wanted to get. And when they kept losing and losing and losing and losing, that creates a very tense situation. And then you add in as well, this dispute over the treatment plan and it may have just been untenable. But you asked the question, was it the treatment dispute or something else? And it sounded to me like it was the dispute. <laughs> but that came on top of all of this other stuff that probably didn't make it as, as, I don't want to use the word smooth, but less rough. Right. In a different situation.
1: No doubt... No doubt, it's Eichel. I, I would think those are players you want to hold on to, rather than trade. But I guess if it comes to a situation where it just you can't work it out, you have to do what's best for the franchise. But I'm I'm simply saying too, I think Vegas, if if Eichel gets back to where he was, that is a big big position yes. for that. There's no question. And it'll be fun to follow that story because it looks like he'll be playing this year at some point. Yeah. So we'll see. I did that see
0: can. in in one of the Sabers notes that. The Sabers are due to go to Vegas sometime later this year. Still, right, right. So that might be a must-watch game, even if It's on the West Coast. By the way, speaking of Vegas, the NHL,
1: we forgot to mention this. Congrats to Greg Wolf. Yeah, who's going to be gonna that be, was announced yesterday. You know, doing a little of the. Uh, I don't want to say it's the the MC. He's hosting the All Star Game out in Vegas. That's February fourth and fifth. His fourth consecutive league event. I had a chance to talk the to The league him.
0: was exposed to the magic I think of so. Greg Wolf at the I All-Star so. game here and they've used him ever since, right?
1: Yeah, we were talking to him down at dinner um during uh, the last home game there for the Lightning and we were he had mentioned this to me before it was officially announced and that you know what that is too? it's it's obviously a guy who is very good at his craft but it it also the connections that you make yeah and how important that is because you know you start out you might not be the first on somebody's list for a particular event or an opportunity dave but if you you do a good enough job and you hang around and you're willing to take work i think this is a good life lesson you can be put on on someone's list very highly and i, I think You know, Greg will tell you, I mean, it's it's been a lot of work, a lot of grinding, but I think that grinding has allowed him these amazing opportunities. And when he's Mm -hmm. gotten those opportunities, he's done very well with them. And it's great to see because that's a huge opportunity. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's I I told Steve we should get Greg at some point on the show just to kind of talk about, you know, where he's come from and, and where he is now and and that excitement, that in game entertainment. Like I think Vegas, we all would agree, is is number one on that list because of it's Vegas. That's it's what, what makes they it
0: that's what makes it interesting. So Vegas is known for a phenomenal pregame ceremony and ritual. I confess, having only been there a handful of times, I can't remember if they have the equivalent of a Greg Wolf doing what he does in Vegas. But it's interesting that they felt that Greg would add to what Vegas already does. They have like
1: three that do that there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they have multiple hosts during the game. <laughs> And it starts well before the game. Yeah, it <laughs> the does. Game starts and it's the like, I think their budget as an organization is just so much more than anybody else's budget <laughs> because of it's Vegas. Right. It's what you do. But but, I you know, mean, when you're hosting, when
0: you're in that role for an all star game, like you mentioned his enthusiasm and he is very enthusiastic and, and it's great. But I don't think the league is using him because he's enthusiastic for the lightning. Right, I mean, right, he's generally right. very enthusiastic sure. in front of a microphone. But I think he has a natural ease that is comfortable.
1: There's a natural flow to things. Yeah. I think with Greg. Yeah.
0: When that you give great. him a microphone. Yes. I hesitate to use the word conversational because it's not conversational. But conversational is better than performative. You know what I'm saying? I do. Like, he's not reciting lines. It
1: doesn't look like he's pulling
0: teeth. Th- well, that yeah. for sure. <laughs> but he looks like he's having a conversation yeah. with you.
1: Yeah, I would agree. That's talent. That is. That's
0: not easy to do.
1: Agree. Wholeheartedly. And so, congrats, Tim. When you mentioned Vegas, I wanted to. Yeah get that out there
0: we should talk a little bit about the lightning before mike joins us so based on the the morning press conferences sounds like bogosian is in yes and i was gonna say it was gonna be his first game back against the sabers since he left but that's not true no it is true because he was in toronto last year so yeah they were they he only saw the canadian teams Yeah. and the lightning and sabers when they met earlier this year bogosian was still hurt a lot has changed since then for him. So it sounds like he is in McDonough. It sounds iffy, but it's good news that we can even say that he's iffy. That means he's getting closer. And Colton, it sounds like, based on the fact that he's a possibility, means that he is off the COVID list, but maybe the Lightning are doing what the Sabres are going to be doing, which is they want to give him a little practice time before they throw him in there. But we'll see. He so might if Col- go
1: in. If, if Colton comes back, and who knows...
0: And the, starting.
1: By yes. The way. That's when the fun can begin, right, partner? When we start talking about the forwards? Well, let me just say saying? quickly about Vasi. Yeah. Had they played yesterday, this
0: might have been Brian Elliott's game back to back. But Good the game point. against the Devils was postponed. So Vassy gets the start. So Go ahead. You're saying on is, the forwards.
1: So what you're saying is, well. You wouldn't have been saying that because maybe Vassy would have gotten the start regardless.
0: Vassie might have gotten the, the Buffalo game. Elliot yeah. might have played the Devils yeah. game. But usually when the Lightning have had a back-to-back, Elliot is getting one of those games. And now because it's no longer a back-to-back, Vasilevsky is getting the game tonight.
1: How about that? Did I put that in the you right framework? This is very good. What would you say is the biggest question right now when it comes to this Lightning team? Because I, I think the one I posed to you. Might be high on the list. I don't know if it's number one. I mean, we can talk about COVID protocols, you know, what's going to happen during All-Star week or those three weeks where there's a pause in the schedule and and where the Lightning will be playing if if that ends up happening. The trade Mm -hmm. deadline's always something that people want to talk about. I mean, I I think the Lightning are at this point 51 points. It's hard to quibble with their play considering injuries and, and COVID protocols. Would you say, Dave, I mean, at this point, you know, you get all the forwards back, what the lines are going to look like? Or do you feel like there's a bigger, more intriguing question out there when it comes to the Lightning at this point?
0: I think there, for me, it's not a question. I guess it is a question because I'm curious to see how it's answered. But it's not like an an unanswerable question. It's not a, an aspirational question like... We kind of entered this year asking the question about, like, are Radish and Kachuk going to be able to make the jump to the NHL and be impactful players and be relied upon and not kind of force Julian Breesbaugh's hand in a way to try and go out and add somebody else, which he may do anyway. As it relates to tonight, if Colton comes in, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the fourth-line center. Right now the Lightning are using Boris Kachuk basically as the fourth-line center unless they decide to mix up the lines in another way based on how the Boston game went on Saturday, which I guess is possible. But if Colton is the center on that fourth line, I guess if you were to ask me right now, this, this minute, I would say Joseph would be in the left and Rad would be on the right and Kachuk would be the extra. But I don't know that for certain. Part of that is due to the fact that you have Joseph a lefty and you have Radish or righty, and it would make a lot of sense to, to go with a fourth line constructed that way. Having said that, Colton, Kachuk, and Radish had one heck of a month together, or whatever it was, when they played as a line. I wouldn't be surprised if we see that, if not tonight, at some point down the road. And of course, there's a possibility that Colton has been cleared, but won't come in tonight. That's about the line of tonight. To me, the, the question is we near the halfway point of the regular season for the Lightning and turn the corner into the second half. The question is this. Can they maintain close to their standard of play consistently? It's a vague point. But if you look at the standings right now, Greg, because we've just said about the Lightning, just get into yeah. the playoffs. You said that yesterday as a matter of fact, talking about the Steelers, just get in. So the Lightning, I understand that you know their point total has kind of been in a situation where they're at the top right now. I think the Panthers are tied with them. They are. The Panthers have two games in hand. That is less important than the ninth seed. Where is the ninth seed in the Eastern Conference right now? The ninth seed in the Eastern Conference is Detroit. Detroit is 15 points back of the Lightning with a game in hand. Because if we're just talking about the Lightning need to get into the playoffs, they have put themselves in a great spot. Now, they want to keep getting points. They're not going to make the playoffs with 51 points. They need more points moving forward here, clearly. But what we don't want to see are games like what happened on saturday particularly against quality opposition like the boston bruins do they need to be perfect every night do they need to hit like this this incredibly high standard and maintain it and not dip even one iota i think that that's unreasonable but that to me is kind of the big picture second half of the year situation that i'm curious in and, you know i keep going back to this like they weren't playing perfect hockey in a shortened season last year, yet they found that gear in the playoffs. So it's not required. But I think that would be, as they they try and get healthy and stay healthy and go through what should be, even if they have to get some games moved into the vacated Olympic break, they have a fairly busy schedule. Once March began, based on the schedule as it reads now, Let's see how they handle that and if they can keep their level of play fairly high.
1: Yeah, and it's what's interesting too those guys that you just mentioned, whether it's Colton, Joseph, Radish, all have seen some time in the top six. And I think mm-hmm. we all agree once everybody's healthy. For me, Colton makes the most sense to go back in a top 6 role, but I just don't know if there's room for him at this point. And But I what think,
0: what would be your question then? Is it related to the lineup and who comes in and who plays or is I think it more so team-wide?
1: I think it's I think it's that because you, you know how I feel about the team. I think this yeah, team is It's going to show it's going to show up. Now, look, that's I have no way of knowing. It's just off of what we've seen over the last couple of years. You would agree
0: though, they don't want five games in a row like what we saw on Saturday.
1: No. But I don't think we've seen five games in a row from this team over the last two years. Maybe we have. I can't remember. You know, I, I usually think they write they the ship, so to speak, after yeah. a couple of poor outings. I, I asked this question, to Eric, and, and we'll talk about this on the other side of Mike, Dave. Did we get a little bit of insight into management's thinking when they did acquire Riley Nash? And even though they let him go and he was on waivers, did we get a little insight as to maybe what they're thinking If they have the room to make this move, potentially, at the trade deadline, which is to bring in a veteran guy who can play in a bottom six in addition to some of the guys they have already, like Maroon and Perry. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see if that holds up, or if they're just going to use the rest of this time up to the trade deadline to see what they have in Kachuk and Radish, specifically addressing a bottom six role. But we'll talk about that on the other side with Mike Harrington from the Buffalo News. He's Dave Michigan. I am Greg Lanelli. Steve Erstick is producing. Back after this on Lightning Power Play. Hey, it's Seth Kushner, host of the Block Party, and we just keep the big-time guests rolling this year. Blake Coleman returns home, and he returns to the Block Party for the third time. I talked to Blake about his decision to sign with Calgary when he knew his time was up with the Lightning, and Blake tells me a never-before-heard story about the night before the boat parade. It's the Block Party with Seth Kushner out now wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us on Spotify. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. We're getting you set for Lightning and Sabres tonight. You can listen to that game here on Lightning Power Play at 6.30 with the pregame. Puck drops at 7. You've got Dave Michigan and the Hall of Famer Phil Esposito with the game call. Joining us right now, Another Hall of Famer, Mike Harrington from the Buffalo News. He's joined us before. We always love having him on. And, Mike, great to be with you again. And is the uh, the city there, is it is it mainly Bills and then Sabres still an afterthought, especially with Buffalo now in the playoffs?
2: Yeah, it's a lot of Bills. Even Don Granado showed up at his press conference this morning after the Sabres morning skate wearing a Bills AFC East Championship T-shirt uh, so the 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 hype is building for the matchup with New England, but the Sabers, you know, it's an interesting game tonight, you know, with Tampa in town. So it's it's certainly going to get a lot of attention here. But yeah, the Bills' hype is really on full blast right now.
0: Well, maybe medium blast is the fact that Jack Quinn is going to make his NHL debut because there does seem to be some buzz about that. Why are the Sabers and Sabers fans so excited about this young man?
2: You know, Dave, here's a guy who. A lot of people question whether the Sabres should take. They should be taking a center in the draft in 2020. They took a winger. He scored 52 goals for the Ottawa 67s his last year of junior hockey. He got a taste of the AHL last year when there was no junior hockey. And he tore up the American League this year before he had a case of mono and missed a month. He was leading the league in goals. And he's got an incredible release. He's really good on finding spots on the wing. And this is a guy they think is a core guy going forward here who can get them a lot of goals in future years. And that's what they've kind of done this year is they've given each one of these future core guys a taste and gotten them their NHL debuts out of the way. And, you know, they have some COVID guys missing tonight. And they actually said we wanted to see Jack and Tampa was a real reason. Let's test him right out against the best team. And he was all for it. He can't wait to do it. And that's why they're going to do it. So yeah, it's going to be the focal point for most Buffalo fans watching this game tonight.
1: Mike, we haven't had a chance to talk to you since Jack Eichel was traded. What did you make of the ending and what did you make of the return? Understanding the guys they got back haven't played a ton of games. Did they do as well as they possibly could have, considering the situation? Yeah,
2: I really think they did okay there. We're never going to win a trade with Jack Eichel, assuming Jack Eichel back and plays for Vegas. Health. Um, but Peyton Krebs is a terrific prospect. We've already seen good things from him. Alex Tuck is an established veteran 20-goal NHL winger. They got a first-round pick. And the other thing about Alex Tuck, guys, is he grew up in Syracuse. So if you're ever going to make a trade and get someone to come to the Buffalo Sabres right now, it's hard to say you made a better deal than a guy who grew up a lifelong fan of the Sabres and dreamed of playing for the Sabres. And he gets traded out of Vegas where they've done a lot of winning, and Vegas is Vegas, and he can't wait to get here. So they really lucked out on that end of it. He's been terrific in the dressing room so far. He's still out uh, on a COVID break right now. He won't play tonight, but it's a huge addition for them, and he's embraced the community already. His family loves the fact that he's here. So they did about as well as they could in ending the Jack Eichel saga when they did.
0: In the earlier segment, Mike, Greg and I were talking about how in, in the not-so-distant past, the Sabres, when they got some of these highly-touted prospects, would just put them right in the NHL with, with varying results, I guess. Has that been a change in the organizational philosophy, not just with Quinn, but like you mentioned, Krebs, he's played a lot in, in Rochester this year. The goaltender, Lukanen, who's a 2nd round pick, has spent a lot of time in the AHL. Are they being a little bit more patient with some of these higher— Drafted players to to let them develop at the AHL level before moving them up. Absolutely.
2: The way they did it in the Eichel Reinhardt years probably the way the results prove that it wasn't. Uh Kevin Adams G is letting guys percolate more in the AHL. And, and you know, I joke a lot about how you talk about bringing before they, before they go from their entry-level deal to their big-money deal. This is really a bridge season for the Buffalo Sabres. They know they probably weren't a playoff team this year, and they're proof. And they really start to point to next season when they have a full-time Jack Quinn and a J.J. Paterka and a Peyton Krebs and Alex Tuck will be in the beginning. And they'll have Owen Power, the Number one overall pick in Michigan, looked great. The couple World Juniors games, probably going to go to the Olympics for Canada. That's a guy that is really a game changer here for the Buffalo Sabres. And I think they really think the 22-23 season is where they start to take off a little bit and become a lot more competitive. And the way they do it is by getting these guys more experience in Rochester and giving them a taste of the NHL, sending them back, maybe having a nice deep playoff run in the Calder Cup playoffs this year, and then going
1: from there. Mike Harrington from the Buffalo News joins us here on Lightning Power Play. Greg Lenelli, Dave Michigan, with you. Mike, what do they do in nets moving forward? Who is their guy, and uh, what do you make of their goaltender depth in general? Well, they, they've suddenly got
2: a lot of prospect with Lucan in the starter tonight. He's he's rolled in nine twenty two this year, even though he's only 2-4-2. But Eric Patillo's having a great year at Michigan. And, you know, from the Florida Panthers in the Sam Reinhart trade, they got Devin Lee, who's just carrying the North Greatly right now really well for Canada in the World Juniors last year. So they have three terrific prospect goalies here going forward. They need another bridge netter, I would say, for next year. signing Malcolm Subban or signing someone like they did this year with Craig Anderson before he got hurt. So they know that they finally, they think, have some depth in goal. They really haven't had any top guy since Ryan Miller. But and can be the guy right now.
0: I wanted to ask you about Dustin Tokarski, who – has some roots with the lightning and played for John Cooper in Norfolk the year they won the, the Calder cup. He got COVID in early December and he's still not back playing. What is going on with him and and how is he feeling?
2: Well, he is, he has been practicing for a while. Um, You know, the last game he played for the Sabres was actually November 29th against Seattle. Uh, He's been out there. He's been feeling okay. You know, they, they have three goalies. You know they want to see what they have in Lukanen. and they want to see what they have in Malcolm Subban. And right now, Dustin Tukarski's kind of the odd man out. Um, he's out there. He doesn't take a lot of shots in practice. Um, I think they just they know what they have in him. They know if they need to throw him out there. You know he might not be great, but some days he'll be really good. And he has been really good some games. Some games he hasn't. So he's just kind of in that middling role right now while they just, you know, take a look at other guys.
0: So it's not an illness situation still?
2: No, no. I mean he's back out there. He's taking shots regularly in practice. They just don't really have a role for him right now.
1: Mike Harrington joins us here on Lightning Power Play. Mike, what has gone into Tage Thompson having the year he's having? Understand he's he's out here the next couple of games, but he's had a, a fantastic start to the year. Why is that?
2: It's interesting because you're right. He leads the team in goals of 12, points of 23, and it's faith from Don Granato. And Don Granato and Kevin Adams over the summer told Paige Thompson, we're going to probably give you some time at center. And he had not played center since his days in college at UConn. And this is a guy who's been under a lot of scrutiny in Buffalo for a long time. He was the main prospect return for Ryan O'Reilly, who only won next trophy in the Stanley Cup the year after he got traded. So there's been a lot of heat on Tage Thompson over the years, but he's really blossomed this year. He's a big body, six foot seven. And imagine you traded Jack Eichel, you traded Sam Reinhardt, how thin this club was. At and Tage Thompson, and then Casey Middlestat gets hurt and has basically played four games all year. And Tage Thompson has stepped up and become their number one center and really helped them in their time of need. And is clearly now established as a guy who is a core piece going forward. And, not many teams have a big six foot seven guy who can skate, who can shoot the puck, and that's what the Sabres have in Tage Thompson, who is certainly on a twenty-five to thirty goal pace this year.
0: I had seen the story where his wife was battling cancer, maybe battled cancer. I, I was I was not completely clear on if that is still ongoing, but, but how no. is his wife doing and, yeah, that, and how is he yeah, doing? Yeah, that
2: that was a previous situation that she was a focal point for their version of Hockey Fights Cancer Night. And uh, so, yeah, apparently everything is going much better in that regard.
1: Mike, before we let you go, I'm just curious when you take a look at Buffalo and, and where they're headed, are there some guys you think they may try and unload at the deadline to uh, get more assets? Or is a player like Jeff Skinner $9 million a year for the next few years untouchable at this point?
2: Yeah, Skinner's untradeable exactly right for that contract. But they have some veteran guys here. Um, you know, a defenseman like Robert Hag, who's played pretty well. They got from Philly, you know, a guy like Will Butcher, they got from Jersey, Vinny Hinnestros is here, Colin Miller's here. There's some veteran guys they might, you know, Cody Eakin's another one. They could unload um to get some more pieces, get some young players, get some picks, you know, but the, the, that's a key thing, and the thing is, guys, they're just not that far away. You look at the Lightning, you look at the Sabers. A lot of it's just numbers. I mean, the Lightning's twelve and five in one-goal games. The Sabers are five and twelve. You know, the Lightning are six and two in overtime. The Sabers are one and five. You know, some of those close-game numbers just show the sign of a young team not ready to win yet. And you look at the Tampa Ledger; it's a veteran team that knows how to win. And the Sabers are still learning that point. And when they get there, they'll get over the hump here.
1: All right, what happens then coming up on Saturday? The Bills take care of business (laughs) against the Patriots here, or what? Yeah,
2: I think the Bills will be fine against the Patriots, especially at home. Uh, It's the first home playoff game with fans, actually, since 1996. Uh, As long as there's not 50-mile-per-hour wins like there was in the Monday Night Football game. But then the Bills probably are looking at a second-round game at Kansas City, and that's going to be the real challenge. Could they get over that hump? But I, I just don't see New England coming in here in the chaos of that stadium on a Saturday night winning. But stranger things have happened. But, uh, yeah, the town is, is getting pretty hyped for that one.
1: You're assuming Kansas City going to roll over Pittsburgh. Oh, by the way, I agree with you on that coming from Pittsburgh. <laughs> but I, I, I tell you what, Mike, yeah. I don't know if I can trust a team who lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers like Buffalo did.
2: Yeah, I mean, but that was in week one. It was. Um, it was. The, the one thing about the Bills is they don't have a lot of great wins this year. They've done yeah. really well cleaning up against bad teams. They won on the road at Kansas City. Probably their best win, followed by at New England, which basically gave them the division title. Um, I just can't see them losing a playoff game at home. You know, they're going to have to get the job done on the road after that, but uh, most likely. But uh, I really think they'll be in good shape this week you know does it looks like it's very cold no snowstorm no heavy winds none of that so there won't be any neutralizing weather other than the cold to cut down the passing game so i think they should be all right
0: i saw the sabers are scheduled to play on the road saturday night is there talk about moving that game up
2: uh you know that's been mentioned they're in detroit you know they would certainly do that if it was a home game i'm not sure the nhl and the Detroit Red Wings have their own TV commitments and their own fans. Why would they move a game for a football game in Buffalo? I mean, mm-hmm. I suppose it's possible. The Sabers did it last year. They had it, or uh, two years ago, they had a game against Florida and they moved it from seven o'clock to one. But right now, at least, the Sabers are scheduled at the same time. Not sure there's going to be much television ratings for the Sabers game in Detroit <laughs> in Buffalo Saturday night.
1: Well, Mike, we appreciate it, buddy. Thank you for hopping on with us. We'll do it again next time.
2: All right, Greg, Dave, take take care. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Mike.
1: You got it. That's Mike Harrington from the Buffalo News joining us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. for Just joining us, Zach Bogosian. Looks like he'll be back in the lineup tonight. Ross Colton, Ryan McDonough, game time decisions. We'll know a little closer to puck drop. Of course, Dave and Phil have the call at 7 o'clock right here On a lightning power play. Dave, did we learn anything from Mike? He thinks they're actually a little bit closer to competing. Yeah, he he made that
0: comparison about the records. I don't know. There's a huge gap between the teams in terms of points. I think his point was that the Sabres don't know how to win close games and the lightning do. We've talked about, you know, the lightning have had a lot of close games this year. And they have been very reliable at getting those games to overtime. Forgetting for a second the fact that they've had a good overtime record, but that has helped them avoid regulation losses. Whereas if you look at the Sabres, they've lost 18 games in regulation. More than half of their games they've lost in regulation. So that's a tough one to spin, even if a lot of those games are one-goal games. So I will say this, I'm glad Tokarski is the third goalie based on the pecking order and not based on the fact that he's de- still it's dealing with seat. symptoms the story i had seen yeah. said that he was hit fairly hard and was not feeling right still around the time that he came out of the christmas break
2: but
1: you know he's he's probably in that situation dave at 32 i mean he's basically what you would call a A player you mm-hmm. know if you made that he that comparison to baseball i mean I, I think mike probably hit the nail on the head i mean he has he has just enough NHL experience where you would feel comfortable having him play a few games, but maybe you don't feel comfortable if he's the guy throughout his uh, regular throughout the regular season. But one of those players that I, I think that's just going to be his role probably in the NHL is that you know you you play a few games, and if you have to sit for a while while some other guys are playing ahead of you, that's just kind of where you are in the pecking order. Yeah, in the NHL, but you're collecting a paycheck and you're still in the league. I think there is, there is something to be said for that, Dave, hanging around as much as he has.
0: I wanted to circle back to to what you talked about right before we broke for the the Mike Harrington interview, and that is, you know, what what did we learn from the fact that the Lightning took a flyer on Riley Nash, and I think they would have liked to have kept him. Yes, but based on The cap situation, the roster number, like they they felt they needed to put him through waivers and they couldn't keep him. I'm going to bring up a guy's name. I'm not saying that the Lightning could make this work, but based on where he is and what he does, I wouldn't be surprised if he is moved at the deadline, and that's Jay Beagle, who's currently injured. I don't even know what his injury is, if it's long-term, but he's he's on an expiring deal. The money part would be tough for the Lightning. He makes three mil. it's a lot. So they would have to, if it were the Lightning, (laughs) they would have to give up some assets to Arizona and also have Arizona absorb some of the remaining contract. But it may not be the Lightning. I'm just saying, like, here is a guy. To me, Jay Beagle is the, um, what would we say, Riley Nash heavy? (laughs) Like, Riley Nash is like Jay Beagle light. So... Jay Beagle is among one of the best face-off men in the entire league. Jay Beagle is extremely hard to play against. Jay Beagle is an elite penalty killer, and he has playoff experience. He won a Stanley Cup with Washington. That would be the gold standard of the sort of player that I think you're talking about. Maybe another guy who might be a Luke Lindening. But he's in Dallas. I think Dallas has playoff aspirations, so I'm not sure that he would even be made available. But everything we've heard about Arizona, like they're gonna be they're gonna be moving guys for assets. So
1: Beagle's interesting because and I'm reading this on CBS. Yeah, did you Sports. find his injury? He I also has a modified no trade for it's what a that's lower worth. body injury and he underwent surgery recently. He's gonna miss the next eight weeks. This is according okay. to Coyote's insider Craig Morgan. Now he just came out of COVID protocol Dave on December sixteenth. He's got one point in 21 games, but you're not getting Jay Beagle for his offense.
0: No. And keep in mind the team he's on. Too. And
1: that, that would be, I mean, let's let's be very clear, and somebody may shake their head and say, well, Greg, what do you mean by this is a win-now move? Yeah, that would be a winning-now move because you're probably giving up a little bit to get a Beagle you know that Beagle is an older guy at this point at 36. He's not going to give you a ton. But that could be a situation where, again, assuming everything checks out after the surgery, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying the Lightning make this move, but let's let's have fun with it. Uh, some team we... will. Yeah, some, some team will get him, assuming
0: well, that he is cleared medically. Uh,
1: and and that's, the, that's the biggest hurdle because, Dave, I really don't care what Jay Beagle does in the regular season. So I would be essentially getting his services at this point to play in the postseason. Now, you probably want him playing a few games before the postseason begins just to get into quote-unquote game shape, but I think that's the attractive part of Beagle is that he has a lot of playoff games under his belt. He's probably not going to be playing heavy minutes, so even if he doesn't play in a ton of games towards the end of the regular season for you, I think you would feel relatively comfortable having him play Potentially as a fourth line player who can take faceoffs and win them a great deal. Mm-hmm. Defensive zone faceoffs. He would be tremendous. Penalty in, kill faceoffs. He would be. I mean, you now you're. He's talking at sixty. About, sorry, Greg. He's yeah, at sixty-one
0: point no. seven percent this year. You have always been high games. on him, and
1: I understand why. He is a yeah. guy, a glue guy. I think a guy that understands what it takes to win. He's going to block shots. But Dave, that is a that would be a Tampa Bay Lightning win now move because you're probably gonna have to move a couple of assets to get Beagle, even though again I gave you the numbers and I gave you the surgery that he's having. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong, but I think to take Did it on say that what the story, surgery was for? It just said lower body. Okay. So take that for what it is. It could be a knee, it could be, you know, something yeah. else. I'd have to look at the replay to see maybe when he got hurt to get an idea of what that would be. Obviously, he had to have surgery, so it it was serious enough. It had to get fixed. Right.
0: I mean, he's played 21 games, so it's not like it happened right at the start of the year. His last game was December 11th. Interestingly, he played on November 21st, and then he didn't play again until December 10th, and then he had a back-to-back the 10th and the 11th. It's almost like he got hurt on November 21st, tried to rehab it, came back, played two games where he had his normal minutes, and then they shut him down.
1: Well, he landed on the COVID list on December 16th, and that might have been...
0: Well, his last game, though, was December 11th, and if he had surgery, that means the surgery happened after this. On November 21st, he only played three minutes and 21 seconds, and then he ended up missing basically two weeks, came back, played a back-to-back, was over 10 minutes both games, and he hasn't played since. So that, to me, says that he had an injury, that forced him out of a game early. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yep. Tried to come back, play two yeah. games and was like, This isn't right, let's have the surgery. Yeah, no, But that's, that's without right. having the specific information. That's I'm very just looking reasonable. at his game by game. That is very reasonable.
1: And I tell you what, if they made a move like that, Dave, I think a lot of people who know a little bit about hockey would say, I, I get why they made that move. And do you agree with me? I you may not. And maybe they just got Riley Nash because they liked the player and he was too good to pass up at the price that he was being paid. I think that might have offered a little insight, Dave, into what they were thinking. You know, maybe what they are going to be thinking. Well, that's why I brought a Beagle,
0: because you said, what did we learn from the yeah, fact yeah. that they brought in Riley Nash? Well, they brought in a guy who's traditionally been pretty good on faceoffs, yeah. good penalty killer, bottom six guy. Well, who is maybe one of the best in that very specific yeah, role no, right. who is available potentially? I'm assuming Arizona would make him available if they could get an asset for him. He's on an expiring contract. He's got Stanley Cup pedigree. And I've seen this guy enough to know from all his years in Washington. Now, he's been a- away from Washington for a few years, but we even saw him in Vancouver. This is his first year in Arizona. I mean, he's still money on face-offs. This guy's one of the best face-off guys in the entire league.
1: Yeah, he's fantastic.
0: So when you are in a situation, and I'm not... I'm not saying the Lightning are going to go out and get Jade Beagle, so let's put the brakes on that. I'm just saying that this is the sort of player, if he is healthy and able to help a team in the playoffs, I wouldn't be surprised if he is made available and a team gets him because when you need a faceoff win in your own zone late in the game, he is about as reliable as it gets. Outside of a couple of other guys, like Patrice Bergeron. That's where his value is. You're not getting him to score 15 goals for you in the playoffs, <laughs> right?
1: You know, another name. But you I'll don't throw, need him for that. You're right. And another name I'll throw out there, and it might, be a, it might be a little easier to acquire, because I think once everybody's healthy for them, he may be on the outside looking in. Now, Mike Sullivan likes Brian Boyle a lot and I think that's why he's on this team. But he was brought in, I think, because the, the Penguins had so many injuries mm-hmm. and issues at the beginning of the year. Boyle's actually played pretty well for Pittsburgh. now. But they're a he, playoff team. They, they are. What I'm saying is I, I don't know if Boyle is just simply he was a piece to get them to bridge everybody else being healthy, and then once everybody is healthy, where does he fit in? That's what I said. I, Mike Sullivan likes him, so I think that there is – it would be, I think, you'd have to go through Sullivan to make a move to get rid of Brian Boyle. But Brian Boyle would be a guy, if you're talking about like a bottom, like in that fourth-line role, who could take a face-off here and there and could give you a little position flexibility. He knows the team. Again, more being expendable for Pittsburgh than anything else. But I, I don't know what their roster is going to look like. They're getting Malkin back tonight, it looks like. And so I think you're going to have an idea maybe what they're – their 12 13 forwards deep will be i mean you know lord knows how i feel about dominic simone (laughs) (laughs) yes we know (laughs) he's gonna be taking up a roster spot i think at some point but i think Um, that the
0: likelihood of a player being made available goes down way down if the team he is on is on track to make the playoffs is a
1: playoff team is a playoff they would want to keep that player you would think you would think but you never know you never you know, know. can. And but. we may
0: start to get more clarity as we approach the trade deadline, particularly as teams are going to be making up lots of games. And we're going to start to see even more separation from the yeah, teams and I wonder, near the bottom.
1: I wonder, to your point, as we sign off here, teams that are in a playoff spot because of the uncertainty with covid and the protocols that are in place, if you're more inclined to add depth at the trade deadline with non-playoff teams to cover yourself. You know, within 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 reason, and if you're cap compliant, and well, we that's know that's a big, big part, deal, right? The cap compliant part. If you but if you can have maybe one of those teams like Arizona eat some salary, while at the same time bringing somebody back like a Beagle, are you more inclined to do it this year because of the uncertainty of guys missing games because of protocol during the playoffs or even before then? Mm-hmm. I I think that's an interesting. Question. We won't know until the trade deadline gets a little closer. And really, we won't know, Dave, until the playoffs start because, as we've said before, the protocols in place today might be a lot different than they were or w- what they will be come playoff time. Yeah. And I think that's fair to point out, assuming we don't see another variant that starts making its way across the world. And I think that's something to keep an eye on as well. So. We'll see how it plays out, but I think it's it's something certainly to keep an eye on. Thanks to Mike Harrington from the Buffalo News who joined us there in that segment. We appreciate that analysis. Don't forget we've got the game tonight, 6.30 All of the pregame. The puck drops at 7. Dave Michigan and Phil Esposito will have the call for you. And thanks to Steve Ersnick for producing. Partner, great job as always. I'll talk to you in a little bit. Talk to you in a bit. All right, you've been listening to Power Lunch. We'll be with you again tomorrow recapping this game tonight right here on Lightning Power Play.